Okay, so you you all know me. Put them back. <laughs> we'll pass them out when it's time. Um, okay, so Haley is out because she had her wisdom teeth out, and Cooper's taking care of her. Aww. Taking so. care of the house by himself. Sorry. <laughs> so anyway. Are you still recording? <laughs> yes, it's recording. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so you guys all know me um, and who I am. Of course, I do the bookkeeping here at the church and. So we're going to talk about budgets today, um, specifically budgets for your home life. Um, <laughs> so we're going to start with um, stewardship. This is, I mean, a lot of what we're going to talk about within young, the Young Adults uh, Life Skills class is, is around uh, stewardship. And you'll hear that term a lot. So I thought, you know, we're going to start by, we're talking about what is a steward, okay? So the dictionary, dictionary.com says, a person, steward is one, a person who manages another's property or financial affairs, one who administers anything as, an, as the agent of the other person. Um, number two, it's a person who has charge of the household of another, buying or obtaining food, directing the servants, etc. Number three, an employee who has charge over the table, wine, servants, etc., in a club, restaurant, or the like. And four, a person who attends to the domestic concerns of persons on, a board, a, on board a vessel, as in overseeing maids and waiters. So the reason that we're called God's stewards, or that we, have, we are stewards, is because we're ta taking care of what God's given us. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's a way of saying that um, a lot of times... Um, in stewardship, you talk about we talk about the earth and things like that. So you know everything, the earth belongs to God, and we are here taking care of it. So that's the basis of everything, um, and that goes with Psalms twenty four one, which says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to Him. Um, and then Matthew twenty five twenty one says the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So that's saying, you know, and that's always something that I, I pray for and I try to achieve is, Lord, help me be a good steward with the little that you've given me and um, help me make it, um, you know, useful to him and, and use it in the right ways. So what is a budget? A budget is an estimate often itemized of expected income and expense for a given period in the future. It's a plan of operation based on uh, such an estimate, an itemized allotment of funds, time, etc. So it's not just about money for a given period. Essentially, it's a way to plan and prepare, which is always wise. Now I'm going to tell y'all, when Wayne and I first got married, he was always talking about budgeting and I hated it. I did not want a budget because I thought, a budget is just control you know it's like controlling my life and I have since realized that that's not true it's actually very freeing when you have a budget um, it actually frees you from living outside your means but it also is depends on the way it's handled so um, a lot of times as in when in Austin are going to come across this more but as a married couple it's harder because your money is our money and Whitney may think it needs to be spent one way and Austin thinks it needs to be spent another way. So you have to find that common ground of where the right amount is. I've learned that. Something else I'm going to share that is very important is even when money is tight, find a way to have spending money. Even, I mean, we, Wayne and I have been incredibly poor where we had $5 for two weeks worth of groceries we had to spend. And I'm talking... <laughs> yeah, a box of rice-a-roni had to last us two days, and this is when Jake was a baby. If Jake tried baby food and he didn't like it, Wayne ate it. That's like, we were poor. We were very poor. We survived that time. That Everything is a season. When you're going through financial um, times of hardship, it's a season. You, you know, you just have to trust God and, and keep walking and, and remain faithful in, in everything. But, um, so anyway... The question comes up, do you have to have a budget? No, you absolutely do not have to have a budget, but it will take so much stress out of your life absolutely. to sit down and do this. And I have some tricks that make it incredibly easy and rewarding. Um, so everybody's budget is gonna be different. Um, some people are freelance 
um, do freelance work. You don't know how much your income is going to be. It's really, really hard to budget when you're like that. There are resources on um, crown.org to help if you're ever in that situation. And most of the resources, actually, I think all the resources I got today, a majority of them came from, from crown.org. They have wonderful things. So getting down to the nitty gritty. Um, so now that we know what a budget um, is and why we need one, we're going to start going through. This is, um, I have two books here. The one that y'all have is your financial planning workbook, okay? And pretty much it's just forms. Um, so the, I do real quick want to go over something from this, which is um, creating a budget. When you create a budget, it should equal 100% of your take-home pay. It should equal 100% of your pay. There should never be extra money that's not, or you know, doesn't have somewhere to go. That being said, it doesn't mean you have to spend 100% of your income. That's saying you should have something specified for it. Um, so, you know, whether that's, okay, this, you know, this amount's gonna go in my spending money, that's fine, you know, but just have a certain amount, um, you know, that where you know exactly where every penny's gonna go. Um, so the first page you're gonna come to is the personal, pers per okay, I can't speak today, personal financial statement. Basically, this is how you are going to find out your value um, financially, not in God's eyes by any means. <laughs> well, oftentimes, especially if you have a mortgage, your value is, your net worth is going to be very negative because an, a mortgage is a debt. That's, a, that's something you owe. So, yes, everything is on here. So oftentimes, <laughs> oftentimes your net worth will be a, a, a negative number very, very often. Probably like maybe your grandparents are positioned where they're not negative, but most everybody's going to be negative. Um, this important thing, and we'll, we'll talk about this later though, is this is a good way to find out what does your life insurance need to be? Because if your net value and your net worth is negative 100,000 because you've got a house and your life insurance is 50,000, you're not doing anybody any favors. You need to reassess and say, okay, I at least need to make sure I have enough life insurance to cover that, which I'm not gonna go into life insurance today, but there's also something called PMI. So if, um, like you guys may have that on your mortgage. It's, it's included on your mortgage where if you die, it ensures that your mortgage is paid off. But that's a whole nother thing. But yes. So I see you have home here and assets, mm -hmm. and then uh, home mortgage and liability. The home mortgage and home is, is home what your house is appraised for? Is that yes, that's that? yes, that's going to be the value of your home. Oh, so, house for a lot. yeah, so, so appraised ours actually appraised for about twenty grand more than we purchased it for. Right, so that's twenty grand ahead of what we're at. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because that is, I mean, it, what it's looking at is if you, um, not everything on here is liquid, which is, um, there, there's two kinds of, li of, of assets. You've got liquid assets and then the, the non-liquid. The liquid assets mean I can get rid of them like that. And, um, you know, when you see in a movie and they're like, we need a million dollars ransom for whatever. And they're like, it'll take me two days. You know, they're just cashing their liquid assets. That'd be you know, investments, things like that. They can get your hands on the money quickly. Mm -hmm. And then your non-liquid would be like your home. You're not going to be able to necessarily sell that in two days or, you know, um, get rid of it quickly. Or your jewelry would not be, you know, things like that. Um, I forgot why I went down that little rabbit trail. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, this is this is just a way to find out, like I said, your, your net worth. And y'all are young yet. It's, it's going to change a lot over your lifetime. And don't be afraid to do that tool, you know, even yes. looking at those numbers, you know, don't look at that from a negative point of view. Mm -hmm. It's important, like Mary is saying, look, this is where I am. It's going to cause, whether you're a single person or if you're, if you're a married couple, it's going to cause you to start to, to think in terms of growth and how how that's going to change. When I first got married to Ann, I made $3.45 an hour. My wife made more on a bi-weekly basis than I made. Yeah. And and as as the 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 man in the home, the breadwinner, and that's you know, there's the when you look at through a traditional lens, 
I work with women in nursing who make more than their husbands. Mm -hmm. I know women that I work with about maybe Whitney's age who are graduating from nursing school who are carrying that home financially. Yes. Husband in construction, work is down, husband's unemployed, got laid off. So just make sure, like Mary's saying, don't look at that through the wrong lens. It causes us to sit down and look at um, where we can go. It was very discouraging when we first got mm -hmm. married. You know, I was almost embarrassed that, you know, yeah. Man made more money than I did. God blesses and God changes. Yes, life. and like everything in life is a season. You will yeah. go through times yeah. of, yeah. I mean, everything. Everything in life is a season, and thank God He's with us through every season. Yeah. But wherever you're at now will change. Yes. You know, some you know sometimes. And I had a friend one time was telling me she said just because it's a, a new season doesn't mean it's a bad season. Right. You know, a lot of times, yeah. which I mean, even the financial struggles we went through. You know what? We survived. We were fine for it. It was not. You know, we feel like it's unto death at the time, but honestly, it wasn't that big a deal looking back now. Yeah, you know, it was rough and, and everything, but um, we survived. Baby food. Huh? Hey, would you be down with eating baby food if your kid didn't like it? <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I, 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 I could probably give him straight table food. Did you really? Yeah. I will salt. Wait, I always add some salt. Like macaroni. Food. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Be selling your car. That's, 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 that's the balance Mike's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He, I'll, I, I can brag on him because, like, we've been real tight because I haven't had a job, and like I used to be, like Ann was when we first got married. Like I used to make quite a bit more than Austin, mm -hmm. and we wouldn't really talk about it to people because it would kind of make him feel inferior, mm -hmm. but. Then whenever I didn't have a job, like this man has been like carrying our all of our expenses, like literally everything, and not one second has he ever wanted something that only he could benefit from, and that like that's and that's the best part about marriage is gr that this it will make y'all grow stronger together, and one day you'll sit back and have this story yeah, of your own. Mary, you know, Mary made a new comment that I thought was good. You know, Ann and I, we've never had. My money, your money, our money. Mm -hmm. Right, our money. That's the whole reason for us getting married was to come together in marriage for financial strength. Mm -hmm. That does not mean if, if you agree, you know, you can say, Ann likes to have a little side money. That's fine. It's when you start hiding it that there's mm -hmm. a problem. Right. I, I don't hide money from my wife. Right. Mm -hmm. I have an account that's in my name, but right. my wife has full disclosure to that account. Right. I do that for a reason um, uh, because surprise bills. All, all the money that I make is going to, to for our monthly expenses and does not work. We made that choice. Yeah. But then, I'm sure Mary's probably going to allude to this, I keep a rainy day fund, and that's why I do it that way. Yeah. So. And I will, I will say, you have to find what works for you. Because um, when, when we lived in Virginia, it was the first I started working after having kids. And I loved it. I love working. So I was all excited. So I had money and and when i think when you've got a long time without working it's you know a woman tends to say oh this is my money you know which is not like you don't mean it in a bad way right. but it's like you know this is extra money now so we made an agreement that his money would pay the bills and some extra things but then my money was the extra money mm -hmm. and so um it really brought a lot of freedom to our marriage because we actually had separate checking accounts at that point I mean, we had our joint, and we're both joint on both accounts, but and to this day, we have a bill pay account and we have a household account. And the household account, his paycheck is split, like a certain amount goes into the household account and then whatever remains goes in the bill pay account. And um, my paycheck goes into the household account because that's what, I do pay some bills off of it, but that's what, our, what works for us. Right. And then, you know, that way, yeah, it looks bad. We have like two separate accounts, but it's, we're both on both of them. Right. But like, you know, if we're going to eat out, oh, it's going to come out of the bill pay or the household account, well, not the bill pay. Right. right. Exactly. So, um, That's good what you're saying, how you make it work together for you. Mm -hmm. Everybody's different. And when we, in a little while, we're going to talk about the envelope method, which is another really good way. And I actually was able to get y'all all envelopes. So, um, <laughs> I know it's exciting. Not everybody's here too, which means we get double. So, um, okay, so our next page is your debt list. 
Um, part of this is going to be about trying to get out of debt because debt happens. So on your debt list, just honestly put down, you know, what you purchased. Um, you know, you can, you can go through that, what's your interest rate, and then what you owe. And it helps you see what your total debts are. Sometimes it's shocking when you get older and you're putting down, oh, let me put down my mar mortgage, and oh, I have a car payment, and oh, I've got this one credit card, and you're like, oh, I didn't realize, you know, and you don't realize until you put it on paper. So it's good, it's good to write it down. So the next is um, variable expenses. These are things that are not gonna be the same every month. You're not gonna go to the dentist every single month. You're not gonna go to the doctor every single month. You're not gonna go, you know, you're not gonna have to spend money on your car, hopefully, every single month. We had a car that was that way. <laughs> Austin, say, hold up a minute. We had a, little, we had a Dodge minivan that we were paying about $1,000 a month for about six months to keep that thing running. Finally, we said, we'll take it to the Toyota dealership and cross our fingers. They don't see everything wrong with it and trade it in. Auto insurance for $600 for the year. Mm. Who do they have auto insurance through? I want to know. Because, like, ours is, <laughs> I need that. Ours is like twice that. It's more than twice that. Yeah. You got your car alone. I was going to say, Austin's car alone is probably, isn't that, I mean, if you, if you are a female over the age of 21 driving an old beat up truck, you could probably get auto insurance for, I think that's about what we pay well, for I'm, Wayne's truck. Auto insurance is expensive for young men, high performance I think vehicles. that's, uh, yes. I think that's sexist. It is very much, so I agree. The, it's statistical well, that men are going to have accidents. That's, that's and the reason why they do it. The, we hear about it from one of our speakers. The other so thing that. You, you may, you, you may, but all your other male counterparts this out there is true. do. I'm the I, uh, only one in my office without a ticket. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the primary on it though. Which the, brought our rate down by like thirty dollars a month. The Ooh. the bad thing. The, the bad thing about um about that as well is, and this really irritated me. You know, of course, Jake got out of school. He went straight to work and started working full time. He is he he does not get good student discounts because he's responsible and actually working. Mm -hmm. And so I called the insurance agency and I'm like, look, this makes no sense. Kids are out partying just because they get good grades. You're going to give them a good student discount. My son's being responsible and earning money, mm -hmm. like you know. So, but they don't care. That's probably Mary complained all those years ago. That's probably why Guy those companies came out that little thing they plug into your car now for good driving. Yeah, Mary, was your, Mary was ahead of her we time. We have that, you know, yeah. You plug that in. And we have that, but I don't think Jake does because he would not get any discount. They'd be uh, like, dude, we're going to raise you. No, I'm teasing. Uh, okay. well, he goes, he drives to. Jake a bad driver? He drives on Fulton Industrial, which oh, is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can be the best driver, but he unfortunately, he learned how to drive on there. So he's a little. You know, he, he he's aggressive in his driving. Well, I like driving 285 where yes. the speed limit, you're going to get clobbered. Yes, exactly. So anyway, so this is a way to figure out what these variable expenses are. The best thing, now like auto insurance, that's, that's going to be pretty set for six months to a year, depending on how your um, agency does it. Um, so I, I don't know that you necessarily need to include that or your home insurance. If you have a mortgage, your home insurance is paid through your mortgage company. Mm -hmm. um, I have a question. But you're thinking about, uh-huh. You may know, you may not, but you may because you're smart. Um, is there a way to take escrow out of your mortgage? No. Not you personally? Yeah. No. Okay, so not, not unless the only sell your house. Yeah, the only entitled to your escrow. Right. If you sell the house, you'll get it out, or if you refinance it, things like that. Mm -hmm. But if if like you paid your homeowner's insurance, then you would have to file through the mortgage company to get the money from them. But otherwise, that money is allocated for your insurance and your um, taxes and your taxes. Yeah. So the days, and they let you do that. You could pay your taxes, and that you. Our first house, we paid our property taxes outside of our escrow. We had mm -hmm. very low escrow. But then mortgage companies refinance. We went to a new company, and they said they won't let do it you. anymore, and they mm -hmm. roll it in. That's why you get that letter like every year or two from your escrow company. Oh, we're, we're raising your escrow because right. they're calculating your taxes going up, and you're like, hey, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. yeah. But your escrow is not yours unless you sell. Right, and they keep a balance in there. Yeah. It has to have, I think, like $600 or something. Mm -hmm that it keeps in that account, just as a cushion, I think, in a way, but you will get that money back yeah. when you sell, or if there's any money in it, 
you'll get that when you sell. There's usually not a lot. It, like Mary said, it's usually about a quarter. It's a, it's 25% of what's required for, I think, your next quarter of taxes. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the legality of it is. So they'll keep like 600, say you're $4,000 a year in property taxes. They'll try to keep $1,000 in it. Basically, they're holding your money and using mm -hmm. your money, but there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. It's got to sit there. Yeah, but it's their way of protecting That's themselves because right. yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's their way of making sure that one you pay your taxes because if yeah. you don't pay your taxes, you'll lose the house, exactly. and then that messes them up really bad. Yeah. So it's making sure you pay your taxes, and it's also making sure you pay insurance because if anything happens to the home, which like Lindsay Jones right now is dealing with this, she got a leak in a pipe in her house, yeah, in their dad's house, and we got there, it was really bad. So we're like, you have to call your insurance company. So she's having to put in an insurance claim, you know. So um, this under auto insurance and home insurance on here, I wouldn't put that, but I would consider or at least make sure that you keep in savings enough money to cover your deductible. So if you have um, our deductibles with our um, auto insurance, which y'all will learn more about this with insurance and all, our, our deductibles are incredibly low because they were really cheap. And so I think we have a $250 deductible. So yeah, oh, we have a zero on comprehensive. So very, very low deductibles because at one point in our lives, we couldn't afford any more than that. If something, if we had had a wreck, we couldn't have afforded more than $250 out of pocket that wouldn't hurt our, our family, if you know what I mean. Right. So we just kept them low. But if you have say 500 or $1,000 in your bank that you're like, oh, I can pay this, this is not a problem, then by all means have the higher deductible. But make sure you have that in savings. I'm just throwing that out. Again, that yeah, that'll come up more when you get to um, insurance. Are you still on variable? Yes, we're still on the variable. Uh -huh. on, on the variable, just to input to what Mary's saying, you'll be surprised. Maybe Mary, you want to say this to him? You'll find money in that, especially in your variable mm -hmm. area. When you're trying to create a budget, and you're trying to say we want to save more money. This is one of the big areas because you can't your variables you can change. Mm -hmm. Your house payment, your car payment, you can't change. You know what I'm saying? Right. So in variable, uh, I found oftentimes. If we wanted to adjust savings, we want to plan for a vacation, sometimes we look at that variable and we go, oh, we're paying $150 a month for the phone bill. We need to call them and see what right. deals. Mm -hmm. I learned that from her husband recently when mm -hmm. he told me about calling the recovery department, mm -hmm. which I had never heard of in all those years. Um, oh, goodness, I'm having a brain fart, sorry. Uh, our computer, TV, and phone Bond company, they gave us a two-year special, mm. gave us a rate. They sent us a letter, hey, it's fixing to change. You're going up $50 a month more than you're paying. So I was talking to Wayne one day on security. He said, no, 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 call, da, da, you're probably going to be a salesman. It, it ties into what Mary's mm -hmm. teaching y'all. And he said, if you're not happy with that and you're willing to say, I'm going to walk away from y'all, he said, ask the recovery department. I'm like, what's the recovery department? He said, oh, you want to ask the recovery department. I called the other day. A salesperson said, we're sorry, Mr. Barnes. The deal that you're at, that's the best deal we can give you. You're not going to do any better. This is a young kid. I had his name. I said, no problem. Can you transfer me to the recovery department? There was quietness on the phone. I'm telling y'all, right? He said, uh, yes, sir, just a moment. About two minutes later, another person in the recovery department came in. I said, hey, listen, I was just talking to so-and-so in sales. I just got a notification on our bundle, which I said, I love what you guys are doing, but there's better offers out there, and that's what, that's what you're going to help me with today. You're going to tell me, well, how are you going to keep me here? And she knocked off that 30 or $40 that they were going to charge me. Otherwise, your average person will just say, oh, I've just got to go. There's nothing I can do about it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask. And they just took $50 out of my pocket. I called and said, hey, you're not taking this $50 out of my pocket. And when I was talking to Mr. Cooper, he said, Mike, it's easier for them to make a deal with you because you're already a customer mm -hmm. than have to go out and try to sell it to 10 people who are not. Right. See, we mm -hmm. learn from each other all the time and that's what this budget is all about. So mm -hmm. you'll find money in your variable. I hope that ties in, Mary, to yeah. that. That's a great practical now, lesson for me. One thing you want to do with this variable, once you once you complete your, your variable and you figure out your estimated cost per month, what you can do, some people choose to do, is they'll have, um, you can have multiple accounts within a bank. A lot of people don't realize that. They, they're trying to crack down a little more now, but say you could have two, like um, the Thrivent, the bank that, which they're gonna come and talk to us, some of the Thrivent people, but we use Thrivent Bank, it's a Christian uh, credit union. They have their, it's a credit union, so you have a shared um, 
shared account, um, like a savings account. But then they have something called an emergency funds account, which if you put money in there and you don't touch it, they actually reward you with cash for not touching your money in there. So basically Haley, when she set hers up, she's like, okay, this is gonna be my savings savings account because I don't want to touch that. But she said for my, for her variable expense account, for it was, she was saving for her vacation to Disney. She's like, I'm gonna put that in this account. So she had two separate savings account. One's a do not touch unless it's an emergency. <laughs> and then one is a, okay, I'm saving but this is a to use account. So a lot of times you can do that with like your dentist and your doctor, vacation, things like that. You can put all that money in there. You don't want to spend it all. You want to keep some in there, but that will allow you to hold on to that money. Let's say the end of the year comes, you haven't been to the doctor all year. Well, hey, I've got some little extra money in that account now. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, love money. right, exactly. <laughs> so that's just, that's just an idea to have. And, and I highly recommend at least one checking account, but two savings accounts, one for emergencies. And if anybody wants the information on Thrivent, I will be happy to share it with you. I did that. Did what? I had two. Two accounts, yes. Uh -huh. I had one that I had about 10 grand in from saving for a down payment on a house. Exactly. And that's, the that's the perfect thing to do is like, if, yeah, if you're saving for like a house, put that in your don't touch fun account, you know. But the crazy thing about this credit union is and lauren will attest to this she she had her money in there and their checking account pays a higher interest rate than their savings account which is a little backward but lauren was like she said i don't want to put too much in my savings because i earn more <laughs> but she was earning at one point like 50 dollars a year i think That's in, in uh, interest yeah i know you did at least one year um so <laughs> she's like i don't remember <laughs> right, right now savings accounts are paying about uh, somewhere between one percent and upwards of two percent, depending on how much you got to put it like twenty-five thousand, fifty thousand dollars. You're paying them to hold your money. That's why they're offering you the higher interest. You let it drop, they lower the rate. Right. You, in America, we don't get paid to save. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. unfortunately it just it's not working that way. Yeah. But just so you know, you're not going to make a lot of interest on your savings. Yeah. Okay. So this is our second part of budgeting. So, okay, we're moving on to the estimated spending plan. This is a very detailed one. I'll be honest with you, I would, I am not a huge fan of this one for doing your monthly expenditures. Be, the main reason being, again, what we're talking about, you're not gonna, um, things are not like vacation, your doctor, your dentist, things like that. Those are not gonna be a constant. Um, so my, it's my personal thing that I have found works is to put that all in a savings account so we're going to actually move on a little past this. This was just all part of a packet. Um, Y'all can't, you can do that if you're really big into it. To me, that almost feels like it's too controlling, like of every penny, which you do want to control every penny, but you need some freedom within it. Yes. Um, so this is the spending plan analysis. And basically what this is to help you do is look at where you're at right now and what you're spending right now. Your gross income per year, your income per month, and then um, gross being before taxes. Um, your guideline net spendable income. Your net spendable income is after taxes, and this is what I love about Crown Financial, after tithes. Now, I'll tell you what my mom always taught me growing up, and I've not always been able to do this my whole life. You get your check, 10% to tithe, 10% in the savings account. That is my goal always, to try and do that. I'm not always successful, but if I cut anywhere, I try to cut my savings because God's gonna get his 10% because I know He's gonna bless the other 90%. So, um, and honestly, you know, we've been in situations you save for a reason. And I don't know if y'all, well, y'all wouldn't all remember, but Wayne lost his job 2006 or something like that. He always knows dates. He remembers dates really well. But he lost his job and he was unemployed for about three months. Well, we ran through our savings fast. Yeah. So it's, we're in a point now where it's like building that back up is, it's been hard, but we'll get there, you know, and, and can't say too much, we just bought a new car, but. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you make a comment about what's recommended to having savings? We um, we can go over that at one point. Now this might surprise Mike a little bit because at one point we you were told to try and have six months worth of income, mm -hmm. survivable income in your um, savings account. That is no longer the norm, um, because it's just not as doable nowadays. I mean that's just the reality of it. If you I mean if you six months worth of income is intense amount of money. Yeah. 
So what they what they tell now, and this is um, your emergency savings. You should have a thousand dollars in savings. That should be your number one. Even if you're paying off debt and you're trying hard to pay off things, number one, you put a thousand dollars in savings. Once you have that, you've got that cushion. You know, you do not touch that. That's for emergencies. That's for if anything comes up, which unfortunately then sometimes it does, and then you got to pay yourself back. Yeah. You know. And yes, exactly. It's very hard paying yourself back, um, but that's what it's there for. So it, it's a struggle. You know, there are times that yeah, you're like okay, you know, like and you know, you get a flat tire and you have to replace your tire or something, and it's not something you had in your budget. But that's that's why I recommend doing two savings accounts: one for emergency, or one for you know emergencies like that, and then one for absolutely do not touch. This is for you know bigger things. So, um, so on this, you're going to put down your gross income. Your um, net spendable income is that after taxes and after tithe. Um, and if you so choose, you know you can you can include your um, savings in that. But that's if you're not in a position for that, that's okay. Put your thousand in and then focus on paying off bills. Then you can put more in savings later. So I like that you can write down um, if you're you have an existing spending plan. Or you can just write down what you are actually spending. Like when you get to the end of the month and sit there and go, okay, we spent this much on housing. A lot of times you get to like food and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I spent that much money on food. <laughs> That's me. Like, holy cow. Especially <laughs> nowadays. It feels like it's expensive. When I was a teenager, I worked full time. My mom was sick. I didn't, my parents really didn't have a lot to do with me. I, pay, I mean, not, not, they were taking care of my mom. It wasn't that they were, you know, they loved me and all, but they were just busy with my mom. So um, I, I was very much on my own. So from about the time I was 16, I bought my own car. I paid my own car insurance, paid my own cell phone, paid everything. But I ate out all the time, three meals a day, because there was no, I mean, I lived, I worked 30 minutes away from where I lived. So I was up at six o'clock every morning. I'd pick up McDonald's on the way to work. I'd work about halfway through the day. I'd run to Taco Bell or whatever, get something to eat. And then on my way home at night, usually about 10 o'clock at night, I'd stop and get something to eat. I was a workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> I would get something to eat on the way home, you know, go home, sleep a couple hours, get up, do the whole the same thing. Enough so that one Sunday I got up and I was going to go to church because I actually went to church every Sunday too. But I got up and I went to go to church and I drove to work. And I was like, oh. Well, now that I'm here, I might as well go into work and I'll work like a full day on a Sunday, even though it was, nobody was there. But, um, so anyway, all that to say, I, I remember looking back and going, holy cow, at the amount of money I was spending on food. But at that point in my life, that's what I needed to do to survive. I, I couldn't, I mean, I really didn't have the means to cook, I didn't have a way to cook at work. I didn't, you know, we had a full kitchen at home, but I was never home long enough. You know, I was barely having time to do my laundry. I, sometimes I even had to go out and buy clothes because I didn't have clean clothes. I mean, it was, it was a very hard time of life, but God provided for me what I needed then. Um, I did not have a lot of savings. I wasn't putting a lot of money in savings at that point, and I was in what you might call survival mode, and I survived. So that's okay, but sometimes putting it down on paper surprises you. That's the great thing about a budget, y'all. It, it causes us to stop and look and say, I worked three nights this week. I probably got a Starbucks two of those nights, 10 bucks. 10 bucks times 52 weeks, $500 a year. Now you're thinking, Brother Mike, that's just a Starbucks, it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. And it's not. $500 a year, I can take my wife somewhere for three day weekend on $500. Right. Mm -hmm. It causes you just to think, and in no way, a budget, should not cause you to feel like you're getting strangled. Mm -hmm. and, you know, you might be sitting here saying, "Hey, brother Mike, I don't make I make a thousand, two thousand years. I'm not working yet." It's like Mary is saying to us, right where we are. You know, if, if you make two thousand a year, put two hundred of that in savings, pay yourself, mm -hmm. and it builds and it grows. So I really like that, Mary. That how you're bringing us around to that, keeping it in front of us. You know, mm -hmm. nothing's too small. Even when she was, you know. Fifteen dollars a day in fast food times five days, seventy-five dollars a week. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking it. Came, I think it was about a thousand. I mean, about a hundred dollars a week I was spending yeah. on food, and I didn't make that much money that's then. That's like that's that's been a while then. Cause, 
Fast food now, you spend a hundred dollars in two days. Yeah. yeah. But but you don't <laughs> think if it was breakfast, lunch, dinner. Oh yeah. You don't think that way. Oh, yeah. It's like thirty bucks, forty bucks a day. And a budget mm-hmm. comes back around to if cause us to cheap. think that way. It reminds us, hey, you know, I want to go snow skiing in the fall. Well, you know what? You start saving your money. Yeah. I want to buy a new turbocharger. You you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, that's my language. A budget a budget helps. Yeah, exactly. So um, this is just a good way to see what am I actually spending now? Because you want to base your budget on what you're spending now, you don't want to sit down and create a budget that's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. You don't want to say, okay, well, I'm going to cut. I spent this much on food, but I'm going to cut it by half because I'm going to do it. No. Set your budget based on what you're doing now. Or if you want to save a little bit, save a little bit. Don't don't have expectations for yourself that you cannot meet because then you become more frustrated and then you just want to be like, oh, I'm done, you know. Mm-hmm. I can't do this, you know, no. Set something realistic and for where your needs are now. And if your needs, I mean, like with Mike getting Starbucks on the way to work or from work or whatever, if that's what you need, then that's your special splurge for yourself. Snowball strategy. This is a um, snowball strategy is a way to pay off debt. And I know hopefully you guys do not have debt at this point in your lives or not a whole lot of debt. Yes, debt free. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, um, this is a method where you, you take, you list all of your debt, everything that you owe. Um, a part of the snowball strategy is you cut up your credit cards. You destroy them all and you write down what you owe at that time. Um, you, start with the smallest. So let's say you have one that's got $1,000 on it and you've got one with $2,000 and you've got one with $6,000, okay? So just an example. So you start with, you say, okay, my goal is I'm gonna put all extra money, I'm gonna make minimum payments on everything except the smallest. And the smallest, I'm gonna make the most amount of payment I can. Pay it off. Once you've done that, you take all the extra, everything you were paying on that first one, you pay that to the next one. And then you pay, and so it, that's why it's called snowball effect. So basically, in doing that, by the time it, by the time you get to the one that's six thousand dollars, well, you've already paid off the other two. So now you can apply those in two entire payments to that one, right. and it's it's just going to go down really fast. So that's a way to get out of debt. And like so, hopefully that's not something y'all need right now. Yeah, but, but is that kind of like? outruling the mortgage thing? Yes. Never gonna be able to pay off mortgage. Yeah, a mortgage, um, which um, in two weeks, I believe, next week is credit, and then the next week after that, I believe, is mortgages. And Ms. Um, Andrea Palmer's going to, yep. Yeah. Andrea Palmer's going to come speak to y'all about mortgages and buying a house. Um, but um, that debt is kind of a given, and especially well, it's with... A necessary debt. Exactly. Right. Especially yeah. with, with the cost of homes now. I mean, the reality is you, you're either going to pay rent or you're going to pay your mortgage. So, you're Unless you're in an apartment. If you're in an apartment, then you're just, you're just paying to live in your apartment. Right. You've got flexibility. You can be in and out of your apartment. Your right. house you, you own in an apartment. Right. You're just a renter. Yeah, and, and, but the, the thing is, if you really, if you get to the point where, um, like we've always, we've only bought two houses, honestly, um, Wayne and I have because, you know, we, you know, one in Virginia and then one here. But like the one in Virginia, we bought smaller than what we were approved for and then we we're here we bought smaller than what we could afford well um we did have to do a lot of work on it one year so we had to take some equity out of it but we stayed way below what the what the mortgage companies will approve you for stay way below that because you want to stay within your means and which is good when you're when you're working on your budget you can sit there and figure out how much can i afford right. like if you're going to buy a home um, you can sit there and say, okay, well, how much can I actually afford to pay, you know, right. on, a, on a mortgage? Mary, I think with the budget with what you're sharing, I would imagine uh, Sister Palmer's going to share this with you guys. You know, when you're, when you're driving this, the budget and you're getting that emergency savings in place, and now you're looking at your month-to-month expenses, I think I said this already, you're going to start to see that you've got little pockets of cash there. Mm-hmm. And when you start talking about your mortgage, You've got a 15-year mortgage or 30-year mortgage. My first mortgage in New Jersey was a 10-year mortgage on the house I had. Wow. We paid that house off in seven years. Yeah. Wow. But the way you do it is, okay, so we're working the budget. Just like Mary's telling us, what, what she's teaching us is practical and it works. So, hey, now we've got an extra 50 a month. You, if Sister Ann was here telling she'd tell you, I pay an extra $100 a month on the mortgage. Yeah. Because in that budget, we set a goal 
to try to reduce that. And what happens is, if, and this is going to be great, you'll hear this from Sister Palmer, $100 a month for 12 months, and you do that, you'll pay your mortgage off in half. Mm-hmm. $100 a month. Yeah. We had... Um, just that extra... Just to put it towards, the, towards the, the principal, principal, though, not... Yeah. We had a, um, a mortgage person tell us one time, they said, if some banks will allow you to do half payments, yes. so like every, so let, let's say you get paid 26 times a year, which is what's considered bi-weekly, even though it's bi-monthly, but is so you get paid like, um, well, yeah, bi-weekly, so it's like every two weeks. So she said, if, if your mortgage company will allow you to do a half payment, do a half payment every 26 payments, she said, you make one complete extra payment a year, yeah. which pays it off eight years earlier yeah. if you have a 30-year oh. mortgage. So you take your income tax. Say you say yes. $100 a month doesn't work, but you know you're going to get an income tax return at the end of the year, depending on how your budget's working. Say you're going to get a $2,000 return. Take $1,000 of that, put it in that emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Take the other $1,000, write that check to your mortgage company, apply this to the principal. Yes. Do that every year for 10 years. Like the only said, thing is you do you do have to make sure they know it's for the uh, to, to go towards principal. the principal because yes. yeah. if you don't tell them they do because that's what happens you know you're paying yeah it's like when you buy anything you, you buy something you're buying it for the principal cost but a house and a car they're jacking that interest onto it so now you're saying hey i'm paying a thousand on principal thousand on principal thousand on principal what happens is the interest side gets smaller and smaller mm-hmm. so you know you do this for 10 years your, ins- your mortgage company goes, hey, you're not, you haven't paid just say 50000 in principal. Yo, you've paid eighty or 90000 in principal. Now that interest is smaller. That's equity in your home. Now you're, you know, you still got interest on your home, but now you own more of your home. There's, that's mm-hmm. the key to all that. And you just, you're making that budget. Well, that's why this is such a if, powerful principle. If you can afford yeah. to, when you purchase a home, do it for a 15 year mortgage, that is the way to go. If you can't afford it, that's understandable. You know, don't, but if you can afford a 15 year mortgage is definitely, cause it gives you a goal. You literally see it pay down faster. So. Um, okay, so moving on, debt repayment, because I'm going to let y'all do that by yourself. Um, debt repayment schedule is um, again, it's similar to this. It's just kind of making a plan for how you're going to pay it. So we're just going to kind of skip over that. Okay, this is what I've been waiting for. This is my favorite form. This is the percentage spending, for, uh, spending plan. Now, I printed off the, at crown.org, they do percentage budgeting, which it gives you guidelines to go by. This is not you have to do this. This is a, this is realistic. So for example, I'll grab this one on top, single with no children living with a roommate, okay? Mm -hmm. So your housing is 25% because it's lower, should be 25% of your income because you're living with a roommate. You're, You're only paying half. But yet, if you move to single, no children living alone, your housing is 40% because you're going to have a higher higher housing you don't have a roommate to share so um you guys i printed a bunch of different ones sorry she just licked your paper (laughs) one for each of you and then um there's married with two children there's no married with one children (laughs) surprise there's a single with one child Married with three. And I'm also give you the married with two because then I'm married with one and you're gonna be married soon. So I have two kids. So I'm gonna give Celeste's like never send those two down to Jonathan. Let's send those down to Lauren. Mike, would you like one for um which would you like? Married with two children or married with no children? You want single married with one child. There's no one child, so we'll do do the two. I'll send both. I'll send that one and hopefully, you know, Michaela, you know. Because I still, I still take credit for Michaela. Uh-huh. She did with me. Yep. Oh, you claim her? Mm-hmm. Even with her, can you claim her with her working now? Do I have, yeah. like, single with one child? Or is there, like, Man. As long as, long as, she, yeah. as long as she lives more than, oh, cool. more than 50 <laughs> or 70% of the time underneath my roof, mm-hmm. she's, she's a dependent. dependent. Yeah, I was bummed the first time my parents claimed me. I had been working, and they claimed me, and I couldn't claim myself. Yeah. And I was mad because I got nothing back. <laughs> I was like, I'm working. Y'all are taking taxes for my paycheck, and my parents are going to claim me? Cool. 
Cool. And I paid rent. <laughs> what parents do they pay rent? Adult. Yeah, don't, don't yeah. Okay, so on our percentage spending spending plan, it starts the same way. You're going to have your gross income, take out your tithes and your giving and your taxes. Now, I'm going to just say right here, whether you tithe on your gross income or your net income is between you and God. There are a lot of people, I know people who say, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tithe on what the government takes. The government takes that and I never see it. That's between you and God, you know, whatever you tithe on but they have it set up here to take out taxes after tithe you do it how you need to do it so but i like that it takes tithes out before you even get your net spendable income I like that. Mm -hmm. so based on you you know your percentages you would then put in okay you've got your spendable net spendable income so then based on that you figure out okay what should my housing be what should my food be? What should my... So this is a guideline to give you. This is where I should be based on the percentages. Again, this is like a standard. It actually is a modern one because I had an old one that was like way off. Like the food, I think, was like incredibly low. I'm like, these people have never fed teenage children. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it is a, a fairly realistic. If it's not for you, then it's not for you. That's fine. But it's a good way to sit down and say, okay, this is what I, I should be, you know, doing. It's showing savings, like single with no children, living with a roommate, shows savings at 8%, um, at 5% with single, no children, living alone. To me, that should be a little higher. Single with one child, it's 5%, but that's a personal thing, again, between you and God. But um, whatever you can put into savings, even if you put... $50 a month, that's $600 a year, that's $600 more than you had before, you know? And usually you can have a certain amount of money that you're just not gonna really honestly miss if you put it in savings. Um, so, but this, y'all, I'm gonna let y'all do that at home. That's why I was gonna just hand out the, um, the pages that, you know, you can go by your guideline. Remember your tithing and your giving? Your tithing and your giving is tax deductible. Yes. Now, you know, in 2016 or 17, income taxes changed. They went to something called the standardized itemization. What happens mm -hmm. is they came out and said, hey, a single person, you can itemize or we'll just give you a standard deduction. I think that was 2017. So keep a record of all this because, you know, Mary's making a great point here too, the budgeting. 10% of what comes out of your income is you know, your tithe, that's tax deductible. It's mm -hmm. favorable right now, and that's good stewardship with your money. At the end of the year, when you go to see your tax accountant, when we lived in New Jersey, I had a Jewish tax accountant, and every single year he would say to me, Mike, what are you putting all this money into a tithe for? I can tell you other investments where you're going to make better money. He was a Jew. I said, listen, you're Jewish. You know that we give to God first. He never said nothing to me about after that. I said, there's no question on this. That tithe belongs mm -hmm. to God, and God always blessed. Look, I'm tell telling you guys, every single year that I've been a nurse, I've made more money than the year previously. There's not a lot of jobs that do that. It's not all Michael's talents. It's the Lord blessing. Mary shared a great principle it's about tithing. We should remember to partner with God and give him what's his. And then at the end of the year when you do your taxes, the church is going to send you a tax statement. You take that with you to your tax account and say, He's going to look at it and say, either your itemization is more, or do you take the standard deduction? It's whichever one gives you the most. That's how you're going to determine what you get in taxes back. So yeah. make sure you take your tax statement. So even, that. yeah, any um, if you give any money to the church, I have to give you a giving statement. So, you know, even if you don't file taxes, if you live at home and you don't file taxes, give it to your parents because they can claim it. Yeah. If they're claiming you as a dependent, they can claim your, your giving as well. And then tell them that they owe you. And there's a double, and that's a double benefit. you free dinner. It's a double benefit. God blesses you up front because mm -hmm. you're giving him 10%. And then he blesses you at the end of the year because you get to take advantage of it in good stewardship. I have friends who tithe 80 and 90% of their monthly income. They wow. live off of 10% of their income because they give to God and he blesses them. And they can't, doesn't that sound impossible? I'm telling you, I know people that tithe 80% of their income. Wow. And they're blessed. One of them drives a Tesla. 
I mean, God blesses. God uh-huh. wants to bless us. And I, and I think, and that's what Mary is saying to us when she opened this up with those two scriptures. God, God, what is the saying, Mary? Um, we're not supposed to be servant to our money. Mm-hmm. Our money is supposed to be servant. God didn't make our money mm-hmm. for us to be servant to our money. Yeah. He gives us money so that money serves us. And no better place than serve our money to serve us is here in God. Right. So I just want to tie that into your tithe comment. It's, it's important. So moving on, the last few pages, these the mon- monthly spending plan A and then there's spending spending plan B. These are just budgeting methods. Um, so y'all can put down your um, your spending. This way to, again, track your money. If we go back, I'm going to have you go backwards back to the one, the page I said. I didn't like as much because it was so detailed. Estimated spending plan. And they're not, the pages are not numbered. But um, I know. On the estimated spending plan, this is where you're going to do your true budget. Now with this, we're going to take, I'm going to pass out the envelopes because these, these, but these envelopes are budget trackers. What you do is you'll write your budget category on here. So, which, I mean, these aren't really the prettiest to be honest, but, um, so what you do is let's say if (laughs) for, um, especially for like married couples and things like that, you'll have one person will generally be better with money than another. And that's just the way God made people. So if you are not good with money, my dad and my ex-stepmom both like to spend. So they blew through an insane amount of money. If you like to spend and you know I have got to stick to my budget, this is very important, God, I need help. These envelopes are your help. You go to the bank and you get cash for the amount of money. Let's say um, you're the grocery shopper for the family or let's say you have a a, a category for grocery shopping and then you have a category for eating out. You get cash, you put it in the envelope. Do you know how stingy you get when you have cash? Oh, I do that on Black Friday. That's how I was when I was a waitress. Exactly. You get so stingy with cash. So having these, and they actually make special wallets for them even. So having these helps you to be able to say, okay, you know, I'm going to the grocery store, so let me take out of my cash in my grocery budget. Oh no, we're not getting those extra cookies. Right. I don't want that extra. I don't. I, no, uh-uh. I want exactly. I want my money. I'd rather have my money. See, these are so good for clothing. Those that I was talking about earlier, clothing, the variable budgets, doctors even. Put the money in here. Then, like, say for a doctor or whatever, you can leave that at home, and then when you need it, you know, you can grab it. But let's say oh gee i didn't spend january's money I didn't spend february's money. let's say we get to the end of the year and i got thousand or a hundred dollars in here that's your extra money at the end of the year put that towards your mortgage put it in your savings make it your mad money go even go buy a boat <laughs> whatever with a hundred bucks <laughs> so i'm going to pass these out for all of you and yes i'm going to give a set to whitney and a set to austin so y'all can awesome. ha- each have your own now, open disclosure. What is this? My own something? I am gonna. <laughs> s- <laughs> is it 